You're listening to Human Hackers, where we talk human and online. With Phil Richards and Ian Hopkinson. Phil, how are you today? I'm excited, Ian. You're excited? Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I've been broadcasting for my, uh, my home setup. And today I'm actually in St Kilda in an office. It's a little bit of a different scenario, I've got to say. Yeah, it all comes back to being a regular, sort of a bit like taking Metamucil, I suppose. Well, yes, maybe Metamucil could have helped, helped, this, uh, <laughs> helped this along a little further. Um, it's also about this mobile world that we live in. We really should be, I really should be more ready for doing this sort of stuff on the fly rather than being in the, you know, the sort of the structured setup. Um, less spontaneous environment of, of the home office. Well, that's that's true too, and I think it. I mean, that's entrepreneur land. It's about getting out there and doing things, and you're naturally changing your environment. Entrepreneurs don't like sitting in the same office, do they? Really, don't like they don't like sitting in the office. Full stop. Well, no, and the reality is, you and I have a lot of conversations on the fly, and they're some of the best conversations that we have while we're moving, and yet capturing them, you know, so that they're, I guess, audible and of a, a quality that we're proud of hasn't kind of we haven't managed to, to get that right yet. But hopefully with the with the listeners uh being a little bit more forgiving, um, now they've got to know us a little bit, they'll they won't mind the bit of the odd bit of background noise and we can just get on with it. Oh life's got background noise. You're very philosophical today, Phil. Should we call you Phil Philosophical? Well, that's my name, Ian. That's my name. <laughs> philosophical. Yeah, see that's perfect. So what are we talking about today, Phil? Distraction management, eh? Distraction management. Oh, this is going to be great because (laughs) this is ripe for not only uh, you and I and I'm sure a lot of the listeners but uh, for the world that we live in at the moment. It sort of feeds a little bit off the technology comment you made earlier on in this this recording where, yes, technology is there but by hell is that a major distraction? Oh, yeah. And I guess the the more we engage in it, the more it distracts us and then the more we want to do. And so we go around doing lots of little things maybe but never really getting anything completed and not necessarily moving forward in a way we'd like. How do we get around all this? What's the, what's the solution? And I'm not expecting a one-sentence answer here, of course. No, no, you'll never never get a one-sentence answer. But I suppose, <laughs> and again, it's it's an opinion, but... I think the first thing to consider is is the nature of the entrepreneur. Usually they've got a fairly high creative sort of element to them. So creativity means looking for stimulus, looking for opportunity to create, to develop new ways, new products, new things, new approaches, new systems and processes and so on. So we're naturally primed to look for those opportunities. And that's part of the issue is actually we, we tend to engage in environments where we're likely to get that stimulus. One of the first things to think about is space versus time. And I think a lot of people are actually caught up in that, that time space. You and I have talked about this a lot, but how, what's the easiest way to explain that sort of time versus space to our listeners? I guess if they think about a time when they were performing well, yep. and usually if you ask them the question, one of the key aspects of a, a performance uh, that they've they've had or experienced is going to be the fact that they lost track of time. So in other yep. words, when you're performing your best, you don't actually track time. And and ironically, what a lot of these tools and technologies are about are about managing our time as opposed to creating the space. 
And the other aspect of that that, that feeds off that is that where do the distractions come from in? Most of the time it's coming from the environment that we're in. So yep. essentially if we're looking to create time, time is, is just seen as this commodity and this scarce thing. What happens is we, we break the day up into chunks. We do a lot of little things, but we're never really productive. So in other words, we're not creating a space where we can perform. So the key to this whole space versus time thing is saying rather than create the time, create the space. Because when you create the space, if you manage the environment where that space exists, what you're doing is immediately eliminating a lot of the stimuli that you'd otherwise see as being the distractive elements. So what it's doing is reducing the environmental stimuli by managing the space, which means mm. you're then allowed to perform, which means the outcome is better, and when you're in the performance zone, you lose track of time. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. It's a shift in the way we, 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 we view the world. We're, we're conditioned to, to look at the world in you know, this time sort of way, and it's, it's a very sort of Newtonian, non-quantum sort of view of the world. But a lot of the research that's gone, especially in the space of flow, one of the key elements um, or the three outcomes that come out of that flow space are a loss of self-consciousness, intense focus, and time distortion. So when we're actually in the best space, time actually doesn't exist because our, yeah. our, our ability to actually focus and concentrate on what we're doing and to eliminate essentially the rest of the world just happens. And we get the best outcome, ironically, in the shortest possible time. But we're not focusing on time, we're focusing on managing the space. Sort of good timing. I read a book called Hyperfocus. I'm not sure whether I mentioned that to you, Phil. The author's name escapes me, but, but he, was, he was saying that you can actually get a lot done if you've got that hyperfocus, as he calls it, for even just a 40-minute period. You can get... Like without distractions, you can get a hell of a lot more work done um, because you're just immersive in your approach to that particular uh, task or outcome that you're trying to achieve. Yeah, exactly, where, where you can allow yourself to achieve that focus within that space. And then you get other, other approaches out there like the 5AM Club as an example where essentially they're saying the best people are the ones that when I say best people, the people that perform the best and get the best results for themselves and those associated with them, uh, are those that can actually get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and create that first hour of looking after them as a person, as a human being, um, and then it sets the mode for the day. And it also sets the, the first hour or so beyond that, that 5 to 6 period where they can start to then get really good productivity before the rest of the world starts to impact on them and the phone starts to ring and people start to come to the business, et cetera. So it's all about the same principles. It's about creating the space and losing track of time. And, you know, another way to put that is you could say you're getting lost in space. <laughs> yes, yes, and a, and a, and a, great, um, a great season, the first season if you want to watch it. But that's another, that's another show altogether. We'll be back shortly with Human Hackers. probably a couple of other things too we need to cover as well Ian on this it's around uh, sort of the permission and the drive piece the in order to get the job done when we're in the space so you know say for example we decide we're going to create a space and that that will mean 
uh, picking a particular time because there's always a transition from our normal time-based world to that space. The key is if you pick the time at you know one one o'clock on Friday, and and you've got a slot between one and two. When you get into the physical location, that space exists. The trick is to forget about the time, to actually get in there and and you know, get the job done. Two of the elements that contribute to that though are the permission and the drive piece. So the drive is the bit that is about uh, the purpose, the passion, the willpower, all those things that you need to make something actually happen, to take action. And the permission piece is about the freedom to do that. And probably in the big picture, the one that I've seen the hardest to deal with is the freedom piece. And sometimes that freedom piece can even kick in prior to even creating the time and the space. So in other words, we don't believe we should be doing what we're wanting to do at one o'clock on Friday. So what happens is we don't grant ourselves permission to do it, so we never get around to it. So the permission piece actually occurs prior to creating the space and then within the space, the permission still needs to exist in order for you to be able to act and combine it with the drive that you've got to actually achieve the outcome while you're in the space itself. And I also find that when you're doing those sessions, if you like, that there has to be some tactility to it. If, you, if there's too many screens involved, um, it just doesn't work. There has to be some, uh, I don't know, whiteboard or, or you know, sheet of paper or there has to be something like that to make it, to, to, to give it that focus. It makes it a lot easier. Otherwise, you've got, if, you, if you're working, collaborating with other people, you've got people staring at screens and, and sort of peering into them and it's very easy to get distracted these days, especially when you've got the internet just around the corner. Oh, for sure. And, and that's, that's part of the, part of the space needs to include the isolation as well. So where we're, the isolation means literally cutting off the rest of the world because that's, as I pointed out earlier on, that's where the distractions generally come from. They come from the environment itself. Um, but the, the interesting, the, the, the space to express, in other words, the tools that you need within the space that you create are critically important. So they're tools that you need to be used to using and you need to have the flexibility and the adaptability to actually use those tools to create something that you intend to create space so the point you make in about the the ability to use a whiteboard and, and having some tactile experience while you're in the space is really important and i'd see that as basically a um a space to express and a, and a tool to allow the expression to occur and so that that particular tool is going to be suited to the individual um, in the space itself i know in my own world whiteboards work extremely well and they obviously do for you as well uh, and as soon as I get onto a, a computer keyboard or I'm confined to a little screen where I feel like it's narrow and there's sort of not this limitless boundary that seems to exist on a whiteboard and the flexibility of being able to actually use my fingers or, you know, a bit of uh, paper or something to actually wipe the whiteboard off and then draw things in different colours and do it so easily in such a tactile fashion, that works well for me but it doesn't work on the PC. Even though with touch screens and pens and so on, I don't get the same feel, the same as I don't get the feel if I'm using words alone. I need a combination of, of words and pictures and I need a combination of colour within both of those in order to keep my mind going. Yeah. And I also find the, the other thing is, is sitting back and, you know, I guess viewing the pictures that I create on the whiteboard uh, from a distance. 
because it gives me that perspective. It gets me out of out of the the actual picture, the image, the diagram, whatever I'm doing, and gives me that that further away perspective. And generally, that feeds the creative process while I'm in the space itself. Yeah, and I I manage to be, especially with the amount of time I spend online, I manage to be uh, really productive when I've got my emails turned off for one, but also when I bring up a a single window, if you like, and that window is only focused on the task at hand. Um, if I need to do something else, then I will move to another another window in Chrome or whatever the browser is. Um, and I also have that bit of paper next to me where I've I've penciled down a bit of a journey that I've got to go on to get the task done. So using a bit of a combination, therefore. Which which is the roadmap piece, I suppose. The interesting thing with uh, this, you highlight an important point, I think, with uh, switching windows. Because one of the one of the other aspects within that that space itself, it doesn't mean you need to be doing the same thing within that space. So, in other words, there might be an intention for what you want as an outcome from that space, not not absolutely sort of nailed down, just an intention. Uh, and then you're engaging in a space where there's a lot of freedom to be able to come up with whatever you need to come up with. But it might be there's two or three parts to that. So the analogy to that would be, um, say, for example, you've got a, a a problem, a mind-based problem you're trying to work out late on a Friday afternoon and you had to be lucky enough to be working from home that day. So you set the set the problem up in the mind, you're not getting anywhere with it, so you go and jump on the ride on lawnmower and cut the, you know, cut the lawn out the back. And invariably the, the problem resolves itself in the course of uh, getting on the, the ride on lawnmower, which is a bit like the same as people talk about having conversations while they're driving um, you know, people having a shower. There's all these things that seem to happen where we're, we're switching tasks and we've got some sort of background stimulus going on mm. that seems to distract us enough to be able to perform in that moment. And so switching tasks is a great way to stimulate the brain in or, or the mind to, to be able to um, come up with new solutions. And so that just enhances the value of that space in its own right. Yeah, it's amazing how many times I've hopped out of the shower and had the solution to something. Um, mm, yeah. and, and you can really use this to your advantage. I know that um, sometimes when I'm not necessarily getting stuck, but I'm getting a little stale on a, on a task, um, I'll deliberately continue the task in my head but take a walk. And mm. quite often whatever barriers, if I do have any, in, in completing that task, I'll, I'll have knocked all of them down just on the walk. Yeah, which, which is that physical movement too. And the space to do what you need to do might be walking around a lake. But just make sure you've, you've turned off your phone at the time because that's going to create distractions. Now, it might be, in my case, I might be recording to the phone, but I won't be taking any calls or any text messages or any other social media type information while I'm doing that. So it's not as though the space has to be this locked away room. It just needs to be an area that you can exist for a period of time where the chance of impact factors from the environment is decreased. And for us, it comes from two sources. Generally, it's either going to be people or it's going to be uh, indirectly via technology. Yeah. So they're the most two likely spaces. Now, that said, in my case, I will often go looking for, say, a cafe 
where I can get like a, especially where, where people don't know me, where people know me, it's a problem. And people <laughs> don't know me and I can go into a cafe. I can, I can sit there and I can have like the hum of the noise in the background, people moving in and out, getting the coffees, leaving, arriving, getting food, waitresses delivering gear to the, you know, the tables and so on. And that's all happening in the background. I don't actually find that a distraction. No. Because no one's directly addressing me. But there's just this movement in the background. And that's very similar to driving a car while you're talking. The background background noise, the background stimulus seems to cause you to focus at a certain level. It needs to be a degree of alertness, yeah. I suppose. But at the same time, it's not uh, it's not something that you need to be directing a lot of attention to. So in the case of driving a car, the environment's changing. We need to be aware of what's happening on the road and keep alert and all that. We're obviously using Bluetooth for the for the phone or whatever it is that we've got the call on. But what's happening is that level of alertness coming from the environment we're moving through in that case while we're in the car is actually causing us causing our brain to operate at a certain level. Not too high, not too low, but just in that middle zone where it's just enough to keep that alertness up and then we open up into a space of creativity. Does that make sense? It, it, it does. I mean, we're using different parts of our brain, aren't we? Like we've, we've got the visual um, aspect of that and then we've got the audio. I don't know whether you've ever tried to um, read a book while you're listening to audio, like someone talking either on the phone or or on an audio book while you're reading. Have you tried that? I've, I've done that to shorten my comprehension process for a book, actually. I've listened to the audible version of the book um, while I've had the book in front of me. Well, that that I like because I, I drive my household crazy because I've got subtitles, English subtitles, mind you, going when I'm watching a film or a show because I want to absorb everything and I don't want to miss everything. I like reading and watching. <laughs> so that, yep. that, I can, that I can relate to, I suppose, that um, if it's a different, if you're reading something different to what you're hearing, though, it scrambles your brain. You can't do it uh, unless you're, you know, using the absolute heights of your concentration. But it, but your brain doesn't like it, basically. You're listening to Human Hackers. Stick around. I mean, I guess in terms of the value of this podcast. Uh, session we're doing right now it's it's sort of it's just a matter of triggering people to review how they work best so whether it's audible whether it's visual whether it's a whiteboard whether it's a, a large you know touch screen they're using whatever it is whether it's a, a blank um, sheet of paper whether it's a line sheet of paper whether it's a pen whether it's a pencil whatever it is it's sort of observe what the habits are that you um you have around the most productive times in your life and then all we're really adding to that is saying okay so now rather than actually worrying about distraction management as such create a space absorb yourself within that space have the tools available that you're used to using you're familiar with and you'll lose track of time and you'll get the outcomes you need but you still need to be free enough to do that. So have the permission to do it. Grant yourself the right to do that. To disconnect from the rest of the world in that moment, and have the purpose, the passion, and the willpower in order to actually get action within that space, and be prepared to switch between tasks within that space. So it they sort of feed off one another. We change environment. It creates new stimuli within that space, within our mind space, if you like, within the physical space, 
and that that switching of 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 perspectives or switching of of mindset in the moment actually adds value to the current problem as well because it's feeding in other information sources and and there's one more bit that i'd like to add uh, to that that isolation piece that that comes having the right space so we're cutting ourselves off from the rest of the world one of the critical reasons for that is that because we're we're such uh, a conditioned race which has been influenced or exacerbated by the technology that we uh, immerse ourselves in, we are so set up to respond to the environment we're in. And so what that does is it automatically causes us to be distracted. That's why the isolation piece within the space, within the physical space, is so important. I guess just to add to that too, as far as the you know the distractions, I guess planned distractions, distractions that are helpful, um, and that task switching, um, I, I I like to use that to be more productive. Um, but the research shows that doing that too much is exhausting, um, which is why I think a lot of people get home from a day at the office and they just slump into the lounge chair and, and then passively take in some TV. But this is really critical because having being able to manage the space and to a lesser extent the time that you have in your day. It's an important well-being issue really and we've all got to the end of the day and, and felt very unproductive and not particularly happy and it's amazing when you do manage the space throughout the day and are productive and do make headway in various things that you're working on, how good it feels and how much more energy you have. You don't feel like something in front of the TV, you're, you're energised and want to have some human interaction or a drink or whatever it might be to wind down. The bit that people don't appreciate is the human and the mind piece in that equation. So, the, you know, the two the two things that don't get considered are usually human and mind, the material things do, but not the human and the mind. And I think the, the energy usage of the brain, I'm pretty sure it's sort of the highest energy user in the body system. It is. About how we're thinking. And, you know, as far as relating all this back to how we're feeling, that's obviously a critical piece that leads into health and well-being. So that's, a, that's another topic in its own right. It's sort of it's associated with what we're talking about here in managing distractions in order to get performance and looking at space rather than time. But it's, it's something that needs its, its own session at least. In fact, multiple sessions. There's so much material to cover in that space, it's not funny. Oh, absolutely. And I'd love to get into that with you. Um... Before we wrap up here, I guess one, one thing that I'm sure a lot of people out there can, can relate to that um, sort of, well, literally in my face on a, on a daily basis at the moment is this use of mobile phones out in the world and public transport, which I'm on every day, um, being probably the most interesting one of them. I saw a guy the other day who was texting. He was sitting down having a bit of a text with somebody, which is great, he's on the tram, but he's still texting as he's hopping off the tram and barely even watching where he's stepping or going, sort of knocking people over as he's getting out because he's he's not observing what's actually going on in the real world. And I don't know if you've got any insights, Phil, on why these, these devices suck us in um, and, and it's hard, you know, hard for us to kind of disengage and be back in the real world again. But uh, but this is a this is a bit of a challenge 
like a major challenge of our time, isn't it? It is, and I guess you know, I haven't got a, a, a quote of professional insight. What I've got is an opinion, um, and I, I think it just comes back to to stimulus, um, and that stimulus is is leading back to that that uh, statement we made before around how much energy the brain uses. So, the stimulus being maintained at, at a high level, a constant level for a, an extended period of time, isn't the way uh, we were meant to operate. It's a bit like working, you know, working long hours for a continuous period. It's a bit like remaining stressed for a period of time. The actual stress response is appropriate. That that had a function. Uh, the stress response was there, was there to cause us to take action in order to get out of what was potentially danger. So I guess what I'm leading to is the stimulus piece is the bit that we get hooked into. It's being stimulated, and and what's happening is the, I think to a large extent, the commercial. Uh, component of our our world is working very hard to ride on the back of that as well, and so we've got you know networks that are forming. We want to belong, so we we're connecting to the networks. We're doing photos and updates, and then we're getting feeds that that uh, link us to you know websites to buy stuff and all that sort of thing. So it's it's a lot of, a lot of the stimulus thing is there, and it takes a little while to get to the stage of of choosing not to be part of that, opting out. Mm and saying, I'm going to opt out for an hour, two hours, two days, two weeks, whatever. But that takes a fair bit of effort to do that once you've been in that conditioned space because we're really good. One thing we're really good at doing is doing what we've always done. And and the ability to break those habits and cause a different behaviour to generate a different outcome, again, is a is another topic in its own right. It is. And look, I, I work in, in the space of, um, obviously, you know, online and, creating personas for people and, and optimising those and, you know, it's all about reaching new customers and all that sort of stuff. That's great. But I have enough separation from all of that to value the human condition over all of that. Um, so it doesn't it doesn't delight me to see people immersed in their Facebook or their texts or whatever it is when they're actually um, either causing harm to themselves or potentially to other people around them. Yeah, and I think in the big picture it's a matter of sorting ourselves out first too and that, and that the observation is correct but it's what we're doing in our own right to influence that that matters and then how we how we bring the group together to be able to do that on a wider scale, I suppose, or a broader scale. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. That's that's a good uh, little chunk there, Phil, to... Chunk? <laughs> yeah, to get, to get our... Chunk. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> to get our listeners thinking about how they're going to manage space, as you say, mm. um, rather than time. And I really do like that that concept because I think you call it an action space, which, which is something that um, you introduced to me, um, which I was sort of using in a form to, to create more productivity. But you started sending me photos of the setting that you're in and it might have a... You know, it might be a table, but it's got a beach in the background, or it's a um, a nice view from a cafe or a, or a swimming pool, and um, I think that's a really great. Like just having the visual of of you know your laptop with a great view, it's a it's a good reminder that we do have to get in that that headspace, um, no matter where we are. You know, preferably not in the office to to work on these projects and get. You know, get things moving. It's that's where the that's where you explore your passion. 
and and uh, don't sort of get caught up in all the distractions and you know go through a whole year and, and wonder what what happened. It's a, a really important mindset to have. There's probably another just in in what you're saying there. I could probably add another maybe four or five things to that as well. It's not the right time to do it, but there's so many other aspects to this. I'm good at coming up with other episodes while we're doing episodes. <laughs> another six episodes on this one, I think, won't work. But um, yeah, there's there's a lot of other things to that. And I guess again, our purpose here is to stimulate the the listener. Say, okay, you know, as the listener, what are you thinking and what are you noticing about your space? Do you create spaces? Are you hooked into the time thing? What's the stress level associated with that? You know, where are you best in terms of your performance? What do you need to be able to perform? What have you noticed in the past? There's a lot of observational stuff here that brings what we're doing into conscious awareness. The thing is we don't stop to make those observations. So therefore they don't make it into conscious awareness. So we're pretty much running on the subconscious, which is the previous patterning. And that's where we get so caught up in the world. So that, that, that ability to stimulate thinking of the people that have subscribed to us to the point where they do observe themselves, they get that, that metacognition thing about being able to understand or observe their thinking and their behaviour uh, is critically important to the change process because once they've got that understanding, they can choose to accept it or not and they can choose to take action on it or not at that point. Mm. So I guess uh, same old story, that's what we're leading to here, Ian. Oh, it's excellent. I've, uh, I've certainly been uh, looking forward to talking about this these topics Chunky, as I say, um, and and there is literally many different aspects to this, and and it's so critical. I um, I hope we can actually go through through each of these, and and perhaps actually get some um, get some guests on the show. We're talking to each other, and people are actually giving us some good feedback on that and enjoying it. But it'd be good to have some other other bodies in the equation. Oh, absolutely. Someone else to play with in the sandpit. That's what we need. <laughs> That's it, exactly. Well, well said. Well, thanks, Phil. We've, uh, we've, uh, we've really got back into it. And uh, speaking of focus, it's a, um, it's, a, it's a good journey that we're on here. And I look forward to hearing some of the, the listeners' thoughts on, on today's episode. Good. Catch you later, Ian. You're listening to Human Hackers, where we talk human and online. With Phil Richards and Ian Hopkinson.